1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And not only am I joined by John Dixon, I'm joined by John Dixon on the morning of the (laughs) match this it's the hottest thing going, 5.30 p.m. Arrowhead time. You have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen talking some smack to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Are you excited for the match, John? Well, as excited as I can be at this time of year, I suppose. I guess that's a, a fair way to answer it, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it it is technically competition in sports, and I believe it's going to be 12 holes they go long drive with whoever whatever member of the team has the best drive off the tee they use and then they both play it out that's how the oh you know, one of those okay and they're mic'd up and it's like one of these man casts cast type of deal I, you know i i'm going to check it out i feel like we have to uh considering this is arrowhead pride and we should probably write something up as to what happens in in this thing but for in the middle of the summer, I think it should be a, a nice, fun thing. And I know there are some Chiefs fans out there that are like, well, as soon as that match is over, Mahomes and Allen, they better be jawing again. This is uh, really the, <laughs> the number one conference <laughs> rival. So it is a, a little odd in, in, in a way, I, I find. But uh, a new era of the NFL where it seems like sometimes rivals off the field can get along. That's not a bad lesson. All right. So we have a lot to get to today. This is a a jam-packed editor show. We have our news. We're going to do a segment that is the most overhyped and underhyped player on the Chiefs right now in the middle of June. We're going to bring Steve in for that one. Happy one-year Arrowhead pride anniversary to Steve, by the way. 365 days of Steve. So we're going to bring him in on a podcast. And our final segment, we're going to preview the podium which means we have our second media availability tomorrow, uh, Thursday, and they will be bringing the assistants to the podium along with Chiefs at Coach Andy Reid. No player availability tomorrow. So we're going to talk through some of the assistants and and what we can expect from them, what we want to hear from them when it comes to the 2022 version of the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get into everything, right, we got to do our our ratings and review segment, and we got quite a few in uh, this week. We did get two reviews about our opening comments last week about some of the Uvalde stuff. You can go back and listen to that. It seemed like both reviews were on both sides of, of what is obviously a, a hot political topic. So we're going to skip those uh, for, for this week. Again, if you if you want to hear our comments, we went into it for the first eight or nine minutes last week. Uh, you can also, of course, go to iTunes yourself if you want to read each and every review. But for the one specifically about the show's Ah, uh, this one comes in from Satya underscore Piha. Longtime listener, addicted to Show and BK. Why don't you guys post videos versions on Spotify? It will give uh, option to listen or watch both on the same match, which consumes less bandwidth. I knew no YouTube has the same option. blah, blah blah. It's good to listen to UK accent in the British chief show. They have very, very few interesting and funny episodes but they lack to come up with consistent good episodes. <laughs> I enjoy Pete and John banter. John always has interesting takes coast to coast is all right. And out of structure is out of structure. Well, a lot of, a lot of opinions uh, on this one. I tend mm-hmm. to think all of our shows offer a little something different. So I'm glad that you could find something uh, that you, that you liked. And on his one year anniversary, there's a tip for Steve and how we distribute the podcast con- content. So there you go, Steve, if you, want to get into that one um we're not going to need
2: to develop accents are we i mean Uh, is this this a trend we need to be worried
1: about i we at this rate we're gonna get replaced the the great brits (laughs) got an emmy (laughs) delivered to them this morning yeah Uh, they they get the most positive comments they you know they're they're a fan favorite so yes i at some point here we maybe should practice our british accents yeah here's another one from static static i enjoy listening to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, including all of the different podcasts. It's very informative for me. and gives me different perspectives on football because I'm very new to football, though I've grown up around the Chiefs and they will always be my team. Keep up the good work and I'll keep listening. Okay, nice. I uh, appreciate that. And then the final one we'll read today, again, if you leave a review, we will read it on the show. This one uh, comes from Casey in the Springs. First off, love the shows. I've been listening for a few years now. What do you think about the argument that losing... Tyreek Hill actually makes us a better team and harder to predict where things are going to go. I feel Andy has not been as creative the last couple of years and has relied on Patrick's talent. I believe being less predictable and Andy getting back to scheming things up for the new guys uh, may make us better and at a minimum harder to defend. Thoughts? Well, you know, we we just talked about the the Great Brits getting this regional Emmy for the Legion of Zoom special and that's something that I've you know. talked about sort of all offseason on, on the idea of the Legion of Zoom version that really ran through Tyree Kill and, and the pure fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it had to come to an end at a certain point. The, the NFL always adjusts. And really, you can make the case that it took three years for the NFL to really adjust. And you, and you right. saw the Chiefs had, had quite a, a struggle during the middle of the season and, and were able to crawl them their way out of it and, and, again, be one of the best teams in the conference, get to their fourth straight AFC title game. Uh, I think this does reopen the idea of uh, a lack of predictability uh, for the Chiefs because I, I just think they're scrapping everything and and are really going to make the offense more balanced. That's something that Patrick Mullins has already said at the podium. He just thinks it's going to be a lot more than just two guys, which were Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, where each week you, you don't really know who the guy is going to be. And, and it always used to be, John, a Tyreek or Travis Day. Now I mm-hmm. think you can make a case that there could be six players. It could be a McCole day. It could be a Juju day, an MVS day. Maybe it's a Clyde day. Maybe it's a Noah Gray day or Ronald Jones. <laughs> Who knows if it's I- Isaiah Pacheco uh, as you get to the fifth and sixth receivers, which I'm sure we're going to talk about on the show. Maybe it's a Justin Ross day, right? Who knows? But I just think there's so many different options where uh, it, it it used to be, I think, against the Chiefs you know, drop eight back and, and make sure Tyreek Hill doesn't beat you deep, manage Travis Kelsey. Now, I I, I do think it opens up a, a lot of variety, and, and that can only play into the hands of Andy Reid.
2: Well, I think our reviewer has, uh, has stated it properly, that uh, the offense became a little too one-dimensional when it depended so much on, on Hill and Kelsey. And then the coaches can scheme it out, but it all comes down to Patrick learning how to – spread the ball around of those options. Now, in fairness, he's done a pretty good job of spreading the ball around over the years. It just kind of gets lost because we always had these big performances from the top two guys and Hill and Kelsey. So um, he should be okay with that, but he's going to have to trust people. He hasn't trusted before and, uh, and, and learn how to do that. So it, yes, Andy Reed will be able to create all these packages and all these schemes to get these guys open, but it's still going to depend on Patrick. Following through and spreading it around the way he needs to, and it, and if he does, I think the offense can be very effective. It's not like we, you know, we don't have big star receivers, but we've got some good ones. Well, and he, I think that's going to be uh, something. We're, Patrick's going to show whether he can elevate everybody.
1: It did seem last year that the Chiefs were at their best when they were playing balanced football, and they were, yeah. uh, they almost had their hand forced. And I, I think the difference between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, when it comes to the balance, is. You were forced to do it in 2021 and really change because finally, in a sense, the, that Legion, the Zoom version, uh, it, it sort of was figured out in, in a way uh, less yardage. For, I mean, the Chiefs still were really good in offensive categories, which is less for them when it's supposed to be this mm-hmm. dominant offense. Whereas 2022, I, I think it's going to be planned, uh, planned adjustments that rather than have being forced to play balance. And I, I think Andy Reid identified that this team does a really good job in the offseason and during breaks about self-scouting. And they identified, look, uh, the, the Tyree Kill version of our offense, to an extent, uh, it, it is in a way obsolete why we're going to spend all this money in this direction when maybe we could spend less money and actually be more effective. I, I can't say they're going to be as explosive. I, I just think that's impossible without Tyree Kill, uh, but uh, more effective. I think, you know, that that's open for, for debate. And and that's the great thing about football. We'll get to see if if they're able to do that and be more efficient and win more games maybe than even last year. All right, let's get to our news. So the first thing is first, let's reset in a sense, tell you where the chiefs are at in their off season program. You finished the first two days of what are voluntary OTAs. We posted some news and notes on the site. We had attendance. Uh, The chiefs don't need to be there. Uh, It, it seems like uh, it, it's, it's less serious than in yesteryear if, if players skip voluntary workouts. It seems like coaching staffs are a little bit less concerned. Hell, in one of the first phases of this thing, Andy Reid just said, all of our offensive players, you just go down to Texas. We don't even need you in Kansas City. So you can see how that, that's ever-changing. But the Chiefs continue with voluntary workouts Tuesday through Thursday of this week. Uh, and then Tuesday through Friday of the next week. And then that following week, three weeks out now, that's when you'll have your mandatory minicamp. That's when players for three days are required to be uh, in the building. And the media days are the next two Thursdays, including tomorrow. And then the all three days of minicamp, we will be having quotes coming out of Arrowhead Stadium. So we're chugging along, John, here. Uh, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And you get to June first, you blink, and it, it's training camp. So it, it's going to come quick. We we here at AP got to get our R and R. You know, at some point. Um, but but man, if it, it's the summer, you blink, and then all of a sudden we're going to be up, uh, reporting from St. Joe.
2: Yeah, well, there will be a few weeks in there. It'll be a little slow, but
1: <laughs> yeah, there is there is a, a big gap of and, yeah. Uh, yeah, where we are. We are grinding away at a plan right now. I know 1 3 365 Steve has a, has a podcast plan up his sleeve. We're going we're going to be still it'll be a little bit slower right before training camp and that's to be expected, but where we're, we're going to still be putting out what we can and I'm sure mm-hmm. grab, grabbing the Chiefs national takes that we see and still filling those pages for you guys at arrowheadpride.com. But yes, uh, we are well within the the middle of OTAs here. Crazy to say, and, and again, we're going to blink, and it's going to be the start of the 2022 regular season for sure. We just actually got, reached the, I believe today is the 98-day mark before the Buffalo Bills visit the L.A. Rams on their banner night. So we're within 100 days. Crazy to say, uh, exciting as well because I know that there was such a bad taste left in, in fans and the players' mouths heading into to do this year, and there's so much anticipation about the offense. So should be fun. We're, we're chugging along here. Uh, we mentioned the updates from Andy Reid. It, it seemed like there are a couple injuries that we need to be watching here. Uh, Sky Moore is still dealing with a hamstring issue. This is dating back to before rookie camp, the second-round wide receiver, and it's still lingering, which is not a great sign. I, I mean, I'm not jamming my hand on the panic button yet, but I, I think they expected him to be okay by the start of what were these voluntary OTAs, and it hasn't been the case. Uh, still limited. McCole uh, Hardman suffered a hamstring himself. We'll see if he's back in the mix this week. Um, LeJarius Sneed seems like dealing with, with uh, a light knee issue. Uh, so just a few players to, to watch when it, when it comes to injuries. It's so early right now. So it, I don't think, again, I don't think it's time to panic, but worth throwing out there. I, I think especially for me, the more one. I, I, I would like to see his hamstring thing uh, settled sooner rather than later. But at least he did get the time in with Mahomes down in Texas.
2: So sure. th- they had that going for him, which hasn't always been the case. I mean, this has been, I think we're going to look back on that uh, Texas workout with Mahomes as one of the key moments of the off season. The more I think about it, the more I think that we're going to look at that and say, man, this was an important thing that they did. And I think we'll see back next year that uh, the first phase of, of OTAs will actually take place down in Texas for the Chiefs offense. Um, I, I think we're going to see some some big payoff from that. And we'll look back at it and think.
1: Yeah. Well, in going, yeah. And going for that, the first media look last Thursday. So, I mean, it's, it's a while away now, but I was just I was kind of floored at at, at the rapport between Mahomes and Valdez Scantling. There's only mm-hmm. so much you can take away from these camps because they are in shorts and, and, you know, you don't really know how much is is a real football. But as far as the timing goes, it. It was amazing to me just how in sync already Mahomes and Marquez Valdez-Scantling appear to be. And I don't know if I making my way to early choice for a a breakout season, it it probably would be Valdez-Scantling. That'll change four or five times by the time we get to preseason game (laughs) one, I'm sure. But in this first look, I just was very impressed. And I just don't think that happens had, you're right, Reed and Mahomes not agreed to camp. Camp Pat down in Dallas Fort Worth and and getting the, those reps in. Moms looked pretty good with with Juju as well. Uh, we didn't see McCole or or more as as I mentioned. So, um, uh, but but yeah, uh, kudos to these guys for understanding. Like, this is a new offense, and, and let's do this together and be the best possible team that we could be. So, moving on to our next story, and maybe we buried the lead here. This this could have been our first story, but uh, the biggest story for the chiefs right now is what the hell is happening with Orlando Brown jr. And it just seems very different. That doesn't seem really to be a precedent for this, where uh, a player decides to get rid of their agent. And then it has a lingering potential contract extension that he wants to be in a way record setting for tackles. And then just, there's no agent and uh, Orlando Brown to, to, What we know right now, it does not have one. Andy Reid sort of confirmed last week he's still looking for an agent. I just, I don't understand this. It doesn't make a a lot of sense to me. I don't, I mean, if, let's say, okay, so let's say, you know, we know that Brown through different channels wants to be the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. Even if he's not the highest paid left tackle in the NFL, what he's looking at is a very, very lucrative deal. There are no shortage of agents that are probably calling him and saying, pick me, pick me, right. pick me. <laughs> so what is taking so long? I just don't understand this one. Uh, it, it is very strange to me. And I just think the longer it goes, the the less uh, in a positive light Brown is going to be looked at because it, it just seems like a, a lot of wasting time right now to me
2: yeah maybe i don't know it's it's hard to know exactly what it is that he's looking for that's making it so difficult for him to decide on someone you know we don't know the circumstances under which he let go of his previous agent uh we don't know exactly what he's looking for in the new one uh you know he's uh he's kind of his own man on this stuff and like patrick mahomes he had a father who was already a professional athlete, and so he's going to have some perspectives on this that not every other player would have. So it's maybe not that surprising that he's taking a kind of a different approach. I, I think the thing that I find most interesting about this is the reaction of fans that like, well, he's not worth He's not worth it. He's not worth this, the, being the highest paid left tackle in the league. Well, here's the thing whoever is about to get the next contract who's somewhere close to being a top left top player at their position in the NFL is going to get the most money that's been paid. I mean, that's just the way this works. And I would bet that in 80% of the circumstances where a player at any position gets a new contract, Uh, and is briefly the highest paid player at that position, we saw this with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle a few years ago, there will be people, a substantial number of people who will say, well, they're not worth that contract. But this is the nature of the beast, that these contracts keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think he just wants for the two weeks that it'll be possible for him to be the the highest paid left tackle in the league, that he gets to say that. And maybe they do it through incentives and he won't get that much money. I don't know it's just a it's a bragging point
1: the chiefs are, are are now have become this team that is really smart about giving older players these uh, long-term contracts and Orlando Brown is actually uh, on the young side of that he mm-hmm. is I believe he's 24 I'm just looking it up right now quickly uh, no he's 26 but that's still in the range for the chiefs sure. to give him what would be a long-term deal but the other the other category there is you have to be above average, uh, to elite if the, or, or at least have that upside. And I, I can't wrap my head around the chiefs, believing that Orlando Brown based upon what they saw last year is high uh, above average or elite. I, I don't, I just don't think he's close to that. Uh, I think he was slightly above average last year. He, he settled in. This to me has to end in Brown signing the tag and the chiefs are just going to have to wear that salary cap number. And if you're going to give a guy and, and he's going to eat up cap, uh, a long-term extension. He, he's got to be young and he's got to be elite. And, and uh, Brown to me is one of those right now. And so I think in, because he's going to be stubborn, which is, it appears to be, that's what he's doing with the agent. And he's going to insist on the, him being the highest paid tackle. And I just think Brett Veach has showed a pattern of, of, I think he likes Brown. You got to love the player to make them the highest paid left tackle. It's a, it's, it's a lot of money. And so to me, I, th- I think this ends in the tag. I still think that right now it ends in the tag, if not uh, something more drastic, if Brown just doesn't want to play on the tag. Um, but we'll see, I guess, at, at this point. Well, my guess is he'll be happy to play on the tag.
2: Uh, I think most players
1: who he want said to play... That in the past. Yeah, yeah. I think
2: he- he'll be happy to play on the tag. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where they can't work out a deal and he decides he's going to sit out the season. I don't see that happening. That's not the kind of guy that... Orlando Brown seems to me to be. I think, Pete, you're right that if you look at the season in total, that you can make the argument that he doesn't deserve to get that big contract. I think that's fair. I think what the Chiefs may be looking at, however, is the beginning half of the season and the, and the ending half of the season. And in the beginning part of the season, when he was new to the scheme, new to the players around him, uh new to a different approach to playing. Uh, You know, in Baltimore, he'd been playing for a quarterback who didn't drop back very much. And in Kansas City, it's an entirely different situation. He was not so great at the beginning of the season. End of the season, he was substantially better. And I think that's what the Chiefs may be looking at in terms of deciding what they're going to do with him. And it's pretty clear to me that Veach does believe in him on a personal level, at least. So the question is, uh, you know, how much credence are the Chiefs going to give to the second half of the season where Brown actually did play better? Um, Maybe not up to the elite standard. But certainly, I think above average, at least, which puts him in the conversation as being the temporary guy with the the highest contract, which I think is we're, the way I this mean, stuff
1: works. I think we're sort of agreeing, and and just we have just different solutions. I just don't yeah, think the Chiefs yeah. are going to, I don't think you can give up pay a player that is very clearly not the best tackle in the league, the best tackle money, just because of what it, it I mean, it, it would open up cap this year, but it's just a long time commitment. And then then you blink and all of a sudden Orlando Brown's 27, 28, and then you're getting into you know that situation. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah. long is Brett Veach going to commit? Uh, knowing Veach at, at 26, it probably would be maybe a max of like three or four years, maybe. I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. go longer than that. Is yeah. Brown going to be offended by that? I just, I don't know. This smells like they're going to be too far apart and... Uh, it'll be good for the chiefs because they don't have to commit to Brown long-term. It'll be good for, for Brown because he'll make what? $16 million. And if he's pissed off and plays well, could even make more money next year. If he, he goes mm-hmm. wild as and proves he's the best left tackle in the league, make right. more money than, than this year. And um, to me, that's what it seems like the solution. The deadline for this is July 15th. Uh, so we are at June one. So there's a month and a half here that, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how it goes, but um that's just where I'm at. I I don't know. I I really don't know. And it and the strange part is the agent thing. I just think that's such a strange wrinkle. Sure. That doesn't really typically exist. So it's hard to figure out what what everyone's thinking when it comes to that. Uh, quick story here. Andy Reid defended Eric Bienemy following Lashawn McCoy's comments regarding his coaching style. John, you you covered this for us. Lashawn McCoy went on a a podcast and said that uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but Eric B has not gotten head coaching positions because he is too brash with his players a little, a little bit too of like uh, you've seen it at a training camp. If you've gone up, he, he yells at them. There's a, a, a fiery uh, part to him. Uh, I could see where maybe grown men don't always, or not every grown man takes to another grown man yelling at them. Like they're still in high high school, which uh, B does, but that's been his coaching style forever. It's one of these old school, uh, type of coaches. And then Andy Reed caught wind of this at the press conference. He was told, uh, and, and I quote, I'm a big LaShawn fan In my eyes, he's a future hall of famer. Uh, if you look at it statistically, he's tremendous, but he wasn't the youngest pup in the kennel here. He was on the backside of his career. And sometimes that's hard to take, uh, which we have commented like that's as far as Andy Reed is going go mm-hmm. to go right, to right publicly embarrass or clap back, if you will, uh, at a player, uh, and and I was asked when this kind of went came down last week. Well, you know where, where where which side are you on? I tend to think there's probably some truth on both sides, right? right. Mm-hmm. I think Andy Reid yeah. really truly believes Eric the Enemy deserves to be a head coach. Maybe it's not exactly his coaching style, but he always likes guys to add their personality um, where they can. And we, we've seen uh, Doug Peterson leave and sort of make the job his own. Matt Nagy less successful, obviously, but, but he did the same. And, and other coaches, Ron Rivera, John Harbaugh goes on and on where they take some of Reed, but Reed likes them to go and, and do their own thing. And I, I think he really sees Eric the as a guy who deserves that opportunity. I also think McCoy went a little far and probably shouldn't went on a public podcast and, and said that sometimes players don't always take to it, but I, I could see where that could be true, especially, as the, the league evolves into what it is today. We, you know, we talked about and joked about the match and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes being friendly with each other. That, that, that n- n- may not have happened in, in, in previous years, and previous decades, and I, I think the coaching style uh, to some players could be regarded as outdated. Now, I don't know how much that could be costing the enemy uh, a head coaching position, but the the problem is, and Andy Reid always says this, there's 32 of these jobs in the world and there are limitless candidates. So if an owner <laughs> is checking off all the boxes and, and this happens to be a, a thing, maybe in some ways it is affecting him. I, I can't think that this part of it would be uh, would lead to no team in the NFL hiring him, though. And so that's where it's, it's tough for me to wrap my head around.
2: Right. And I, uh, and I think that was the part of the argument that didn't, that didn't sit right with me with McCoy is that this is why he's not getting head coaching jobs. I'm not sure the owners care about that. The owners care right. about results and any way that they can be found. And I think that's part of Andy Reed's genius here is that he recognizes that it's, he's got a way that he does it. He's got a way that he's comfortable in doing it, but he recognizes that there's always other ways to skin the proverbial cat and that other coaches have different approaches. And this comes through all the time when Reed and his assistants are talking about allowing their players to let their personality show. That extends all the way up through the coaching staff, too. This is important to Andy Reed that you let people be themselves uh, when they are in your employ. And that's true for both the players and the coaches, and and I think this is in a way reflects uh, one of the most valuable traits that Reed has is his ability to do this and get all these people to work together, uh, even when they're you know allowing their their personalities to show through in that way. So it's it's a fascinating thing. I, I agree with you. I think there's some there's, there's some truth on both sides of it. I think. You know, Bianami probably did get on LaShawn McCoy quite a bit. Um, you know, we had some fumbling issues while he was with the Chiefs, and uh, he didn't always act like he was carrying the ball the way you would expect a, a longtime pro to carry the ball, and it resulted in some bad plays. Uh, and he wasn't as effective as we would have liked him to, to, to see. And I'll bet you Biennium got on his butt about it. And I'm sure that if I were LaShawn McCoy, I wouldn't like that. You know, I've been around a long time. What are you yelling at me for? You know, I don't deserve that. I I could see how you'd feel that way. And I could see how it would get on his nerves. And I could see how he would think that other players would feel that way. But I'm not sure that there's that many players in the league who've been enough of them that have been exposed to Biennium. that would be general enough knowledge for an owner to know about it. uh, And take that away
1: from a meeting, an interview
2: with BNB for a head coaching job.
1: I'm just not buying that at all. Right. Uh you know, we'll we'll end up seeing what what happens next off season, but we we continue to expect the enemy to get an interview here or there. It it did seem a little bit less last off season. Uh, you wonder if at a certain point he he doesn't get interviews. I am not sure. Uh, him and personnel executive Tim Terry went to this accelerator program at the spring winter meetings, and Andy Reid said that they took a lot out of it and it allowed for FaceTime with ownership. And so, uh, you you're seeing ways for the league continues to. To push diversity, Eric Bieniemy has kind of become this face of, of head coaches in, in the diverse sector that are just not getting opportunities. So uh, we again hope that he at some point gets one here. I, I know a lot of Chiefs fans will hope that that's in the NFC. So uh, you can kind of continue to root for him from afar, like we said about Darrell Williams last week, for example. So uh, we will see uh, when it comes to Bieniemy. Uh, LaShawn McCoy p- continues to be this guy who will go on different podcasts and sort of rocks the boat uh, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, we'll talk to Steve next segment, but I, I remember I, I believe he spoiled the, the end of Avengers Endgame, which uh, really lost a, a lot of those those crossover uh, Marvel NFL fans when he when he did that before a lot of people had <laughs> seen it. So he lost a lot of, uh, of fans in that sense. All right. Uh, let's continue along with the news. PFF. Uh, continues to rank players and a couple chiefs were among the top ones i'll go through them quickly creed humphrey finished number two uh in the league that's after his rookie year which is very impressive only behind uh, the la chargers Corey Lindsley, uh, travis kelsey uh, is on top still which is impressive in its own right at the age of of 32 uh, justin reed john you covered this for us he finished in the bottom of what would be the all-around safety tier the chiefs brought Reed in because he's this all-around guy who can do a lot of different things and that's one thing he has said he likes about the Steve Spagnuolo defense and he is expected to play that Tyron Matthew role he essentially said this week I, I know that I'm expected to replace him but I'm going to be my own Justin Reed which is mm-hmm. exactly how you want to look at it I I don't think anyone is going to come in here and and be the next Tyron Matthew and if, if you're looking at the torch passing in in a way Tyron Matthew was a great leader. He was not Eric Berry, right? So Justin Reed is going to take that role just like Matthew did from Berry and make it his own. And I'm eager to see what Reed does with the position. Of course, uh, Tyron Matthew did end up with the New Orleans Saints. So you got another story out of this as well with Travis Kelsey saying that he's focused on the new chiefs offense. We know that George Kittle last week said that Travis Kelsey is very much underpaid, and as we said on the editor show, he had a point. Kelsey comes back when he's asked about it and says, as we expected, John, he's really not in it for the money, which is why you saw him take such a team-friendly contract. I think he just loves playing with Patrick Mahomes.
2: Yeah, players love to say stuff like this because they know the fans love it, um, <laughs> and, certainly, and certainly, you know, when you're when you're somebody who's you know getting by on whatever it is you're making, that's a whole lot less than what an NFL player makes. You love to hear that too, that it doesn't, the money doesn't matter to them. And of course it, it does matter to Travis Kelsey. I mean, let's, let's be honest here Uh, on some levels. He does care about the money, but I, I appreciate the fact that he recognizes it's not the only thing that's on the table uh, for his NFL career. And I appreciate that. He said that uh, and I think other people did too. So you always, you always love to hear the players say those kinds of things even if they're, you know, doing it out of a sense of, uh, you know, putting on the right face to it. Uh, if you're even able to see that that is the right face, that's a point in your favor as far as I'm concerned.
1: Just to tie all this PFF stuff together, what you really get to me, and, and we're always full of compliments here on Arrowhead Pride, but all of these guys <laughs> are on just bargain deals. Creed Humphrey is on his rookie contract. Mm -hmm. second best center in the league according to pff Mm -hmm. travis kelsey we just talked about how team friendly uh, that deal is especially because tight ends are pass catchers now and kittle's point was well we should the elite ones that are elite pass catchers should be making as much money as wide receivers so if you really look at it in that frame it is an insane bargain for one Mm -hmm. of the best catchers pass catchers in the nfl to be around what 14 and, and change and then you have justin reed who signed the three-year $31.5 uh, million dollar contract, uh, $20 million of that is guaranteed. That is more lucrative than the deals we're talking about, especially for that position. But if Justin Reed reaches the ceiling, the Chiefs think that he can, that is going to look like a bargain as well. Uh, that's a question, right? We don't know that yet. Uh, he's been brought in to replace Matthew in that on-the-field and off-the-field leadership role, but if he's able to check those boxes, that's going to be a pretty good contract as well. So three guys uh, that are ranked among the highest PFF tiers and uh, at bargains. So kudos to to Brett Veach and his staff and getting those done. Um, we talked about the match. It happens tonight. There are odds for this. John, our friend at DraftKings Sportsbook have projected Brady and Rogers to win at minus one sixty, and you can get Mahomes and Allen at plus one forty. With that means is the older guys are pretty decent favorites but you never know there there could be an upset brewing which which way are you going on this uh yeah that's that's probably
2: that's probably right i, I probably think i would think that they would have the edge golf is a game where experience really matters you know in in a lot of professional sports youth is king You know, if you've got the spring in your step and you've got the ability to spin around and do all these athletic moves, uh, you've got the edge over the older players. But golf is a sport where, you know, your experience counts for a lot. And as long as these two guys have been playing golf for a long time, and I think they have been, um, they probably have a leg up on these young players. But uh,
1: but (laughs) we'll just have to see how it plays out, won't we? I got to say, I mean, not that that my take on this matters that much. If you're a Chiefs fan, save your money. Brady and Rodgers are going (laughs) to win. I hate to say it, but they are. Um, We did ask fans who they think is going to win. in our editor show poll of the day we will do that right before we close this thing down in segment three. So that's the news. Uh, We we got through everything that we needed to when it comes to the news. So we will move on next segment to. Who's overhyped and who's underhyped? You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are now bringing in Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 365, Steve Serta, on his one-year Arrowhead Pride anniversary to do the overhyped and underhyped segment with us. And I'll explain this to you guys. I, I hope you understood it from the rundown because it's the first time I'm explaining to you right, right here as we're recording. But right now it's June 1st. We're seeing the buzz. Who do you think is too overhyped? Who do you think is too underhyped? We will have a three man round table here. And, John, why don't we start with you and we'll go? Let's get the negative out of the way. Who is too overhyped right now on the Kansas City Chiefs and why?
2: Oh, good. Because you told us that we could only, that we had to have extras in case somebody took ours that we couldn't right. duplicate. So right. I'm the one who gets to say that Justin Ross is overhyped. So, <laughs> so I. So we got that out of the way. There's no
1: doubt about it. I've made that clear, and I, I've been trying to say before I say it that I hope I'm wrong, everybody, but right, I, right. I, I, I agree with it.
2: Yeah, that it's just it's just insane. Um, this is an undrafted player, there's a reasons for him to be undrafted. Um he has clearly an enormous amount of talent. There's no argument about this, okay? But whether or not he can play at an NFL level and be available at an NFL level is an entirely open question. So let's be excited about his talent. Let's be excited about the the plays that he can make and the OTAs, but whether or not that's going to translate to the field uh, week in and week out is another question altogether. And I think that's the one that we're going to be, we're going to be concerning ourselves with once training game gets started and we, and we get closer to the season, because that's what it's going to be about is whether or not he can play week in and week out. And that's going to determine whether or not he can be on a roster. There's no question. He's got the talent for it. We we can all see that. So I think, yeah, he's a little overhyped at this point. All right, Steve,
1: take it away.
0: I've been kind of trying to decide. Justin Ross, I think is obviously the, the top <laughs> one right now, uh, just because of everything that John explained. So yeah, that I think that should have been the top choice, but I think I'm going to go with George Karloftis because Mm. I'm just seeing a lot of people who and a lot of people within the Chiefs fan base that probably just have expectations a little too high for him. Like when you look at truly dominant rookie pass rushers, like we're talking about the elite of the elite players like Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, or if you want to put Chase Young in that conversation for like as a rookie, like. We're talking about the best pass rushers in the NFL. Their ceilings like seven to nine sacks. And George Karloftis is coming into a situation where he's going to have to play right away and, and be and be an important player for them because they don't really have anybody else to throw in the mix there. And so it's him and Frank Clark. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough to get it done. Like George Karloftis is ceiling as a rookie, in my opinion, is like five sacks. And, yeah. and I feel like we're overhyping what we're expecting from him as a rookie.
1: Well, what's interesting in, in that is you asked yourself the question, if you could guarantee five sacks for Karloftis right now, would you do it? Would you lock that in? And. I don't know. Maybe you would, because the Chiefs have been a little lackluster when it comes to getting to the quarterback in, in recent years as a unit, and that would be a pretty good number for what this unit has been. I, I think the Chiefs need him to be more than that, and that's where it would be tough to to not sign off on that. And I just think about Melvin Ingram and that not working out. I You'd feel a little bit better about the Karlofta situation if you, I think, had another name there. Maybe Malik Herring becomes that guy for you, but it, it's an interesting... It's an interesting pick Steve because I, I really think they need him to be a day one starter as a rookie and that's a pretty big bet like if you're talking about the, the the big bets that Brett Veach has made on this upcoming season that could be the biggest bet because I I just think opposite Frank Clark and Frank Clark has been for lack of Not better very term, good. hit or miss <laughs> you're really <laughs> relying on Karl to have what is more veteran production than rookie production I, I'll say this what Impressed me about Karloftis if you go to the to right after he was drafted. He immediately knew the personnel of the Chiefs. He's like, they got a good pass rusher on the other side. They got a good defensive tackle. No more double teams. And he was so happy about that. So he mm-hmm. seems to think yeah. that, and kudos to his own confidence, but he seems to think that he's going to be able to produce at the NFL level right away. Remains to be seen. An interesting pick. I I, I like the pick. I like the the boldness there. All right. John, you're not going to like my pick. Uh, of course, it w- would have been Justin Ross, uh, as you know. Um, I have not been huge on the looks that I've seen so far, but long way to go. As I as I said, I would do. I hope I'm wrong, but here here we go. Let's 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 stop the car. <laughs> that's the that's the brakes. The brakes are hitting. What? Why are we hitting the brakes? We're hitting the brakes on Darian Kennard. I I might have maybe been a little too. Uh, what, what do we call it? is it bullish or bearish it's bullish right too bullish on canard maybe starting immediately I think that we got to look at what Andrew Wiley has done and Andrew Wiley is not necessarily a hot name but he has started 42 games in the NFL since 2018 and this was a player who was the right tackle for the Chiefs uh, a good majority of last year and really short up the position Hard to say he was above average, but he was solid average, maybe slightly above average, an option there. And I'm just wondering out loud if maybe the Chiefs will give Wiley uh, the first crack here. And if he's able to stay there, uh, maybe it's, it's more of a 2023 thing for Kennard, who again is a he dropped to the fifth round and, and may need a year of development. And I, I take some of the blame myself for Kennard maybe being overhyped, but I also blame Lewis Riddick for that whole thing last week and and putting it out there but we'll see this this remains to be seen but if we're looking at overheight, i think right now if you're a diehard chiefs fan it it has become I, I, again my fault as well but an expectation that he's going to win the right tackle job when maybe we need to see what he does at st at joe especially in those padded practices
2: well you know we talked about this last week and the whole point i thought last week of the lewis riddick contact uh, uh, comments was that they were at least looking at him to be the right. starter. They didn't bring him in as just a guy to be, you know, a backup player or a role player or anything like that. This is a guy that actually had a, ch- a chance to win the job. That's not the same as saying he's going to win the job. And I and I think we appropriately noted that Wiley is a guy that the Chiefs coaches have really liked uh, over the years that he's been in Kansas City. So it's it's not an open and shut case but I agree that there are folks who have just assumed that he's going to win that job. And uh, so it's fair to put him on that overhype train, although it wouldn't have been a choice I would make, but, but I, I see where you're coming from there.
0: I, I will say what works in the chief's favor when it comes to Darian Kennard is that they've had a lot of success drafting offensive linemen outside of the first round. And those guys yes. wind up being contributing players immediately. Right. That's right.
2: True.
1: And, and immediately Kennard has said the Trey Smith stuff and, even me, I, I'll i admit, I was quick to say, well, we are definitely going to see him do the Trey Smith track. You know, it's really hard to be Trey Smith, to be drafted in the sixth round <laughs> and to be a starting offensive lineman. I i don't think this means that Kennard can never be a, an impact contributor for the Chiefs. I just think maybe we need to pump the brakes on just assuming he's going to win the starting position. And a fault of my own, but I, I'd pick Kennard in that overhyped section, at least right now. So we ended up picking... Three rookies. Look at us picking on the overhyped rookies. Justin Ross. uh, We picked George Karloftis and now Darian Kennard. All right, Steve, we'll we'll snake around here. Who do you feel is the most underhyped chief of June 1st? right now?
0: I think there's a lot of them, actually, uh, especially on on offense, because we don't really know what we're getting from the Chiefs offense this season. There's kind of question marks there. But I'm going to go with McCall Hardman. And this is probably going to be unpopular hmm. just because chiefs fans, I think are at a point where they just don't expect that much from him. But me and you've talked about it a little bit, Pete, like we saw the way they utilized McCall like late in the season last year. And now the, we saw him losing snaps.
1: the, like, the, the though, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they started utilizing him like that. And a lot of the conversations I've been having with people, like trying to project chiefs players, fantasy wise and stuff like that. It's like, Juju MVS. it's like everybody totally forgot that McCole Hardman is still on the team and <laughs> he's got the most experience in the chiefs playbook when it comes to their wide receivers. And we've seen that Andy Reid can find a useful role for him in the offense. It's just a matter of him of them scheming up touches for him. And there's an opportunity for them to legitimately scheme up touches for him this season in a way that they never have before. So while I don't love McCall Hardman as like your number one wide receiver or anything like that, I think he's going to have a much bigger role in the offense than any of us are are giving him credit for so far this offseason.
1: And Hardman has noticed that he's been forgotten as the chiefs were adding free agents and PFF was putting out graphics of the offense and not even including him. He's quote (laughs) tweeting it and saying, Oh, this is happening to me again. He put a, a lot of stock in, in press conferences and saying, "I'm behind Tyreek Hill." Well, I I you're not anymore. Uh, and does that mean he's going to be more traditional receiver? I don't know. I I think that it means the Chiefs lean into him more. Maybe it's in that same position as of last year, which Andy Reid has co- countless times said, "We found we found something for McColl." And I would tend to think it's going to be more of the wide back than wide receiver. Uh, but we'll see. This is a brand new type of offense and and i think it's a good pick I, I think he's still even though he's really the veteran when it comes to chief's tenure in that room at this point he's still under hyped i, w- I would agree with you
2: and he is still going to be the guy that has the most experience with patrick mahomes mm-hmm. among that wide receiver group so uh he's got that going for him as well as limited as ex- his experience was because a lot of people complained, oh well, he's you know, he's not getting enough targets for Mahomes for whatever reason. They're all going to Hill and Kelsey and whatever. But he's still gonna have more than anybody else in the group at this point. So he's got that going for him as well. I it it is kind of an interesting pick, Steve, but I, I see where you're coming from here. It's
0: it's also a contract here. And you right, should right. not under hype the contract. Here. Right. He's trying to get paid. He's not gonna be with the Chiefs past this season, but he's looking to get a contract. So I would expect him to step up his play this season. Yeah.
1: All right, John. Underhyped.
0: Uh man,
2: I'm having a hard time on this one. Um, I'm gonna go back to your comments uh, before, uh Steve, about uh, George Kalaftis and say maybe Malik Herring is a guy that is mm. underhyped. We do, really don't know what we've got in this guy, so nobody's talking about him. But I think it's fair to wonder if that has played into the chiefs mindset this season with regard to defensive ends. I mean, I think you can argue that they didn't want to overpay older guys, but they might have, if they'd had the money available to them. Uh, and then, so when they didn't have the money because Tyree kills market went out, out crazy after all the other wide receivers got contracts that were huge. Then all of a sudden they didn't have the money to go out and spend uh, and get a, a, an older player uh, that was closer to the end of his career than the beginning and pay a lot of money for him. But it's also possible that um, what's going on here is that they think they can get a lot out of this kid um, who we didn't really see at all last year. He came out of the squad injured, so we never saw him and doing anything and they may think he's spectacular, and we may see him uh, a lot more than we expect this year. So that's what I'm going to say is under-hyped at this point, just because we don't know what we're getting.
1: Yeah, they they really thought that Herring could go day one or day two had it not been for the, the injury, had the redshirt year in, in Kansas City, and has looked pretty good in these camps here. Like, maybe not a starter necessarily, but this is a defensive line where they like to rotate a lot of guys. So right. So long right. as... Herring shows that he can play the, the part he's going to get snapped so I, I think it's a, an interesting pick and it would certainly solve a little bit of the the lack of depth I I think that I have sensed in the D-line room since they missed out on, on grabbing Melvin Ingram back into the mix and so that's where where I end up there Uh, my pick and I mentioned him already but I, I'm going to just play this game with you guys if I said that there's a a receiver that has a good rapport with Patrick Mahomes had the best timing that I saw in my first look. He's six foot four, 206 pounds with a 4.37 40 yard dash. You'd say, wow, that receiver is going to have a thousand yards. And I think Marquez Valdez Gantling is going to be the guy after Travis Kelsey when it comes to receiving yards. And I think what plays into the, the MVS thing is it just didn't really click with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was obsessed with throwing to Devontae Adams. Uh, and, yeah, you might say, well, Patrick Mahomes is obsessed with throwing to Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in that short to intermediate for first downs where Kelsey can sort of get yards after the catch, not really when it comes to a deep ball to Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs are going to need that. And I, I think by leaning into the short to intermediate when you have Juju, maybe it's that wide back stuff with McColl. Maybe it's running a little football a little bit more. It's it's playing into Kelsey. I've, I don't know if eventually teams by week four, week five, are going to be able to drop eight anymore because you would have to respect the short to intermediate game. And you have this player who's a bigger target than Tyree Kill, who runs almost as fast as them. People really don't give Marquez the amount of credit when it comes to just pure speed, uh, where I think this is his breakout year. I I really do. And I I, you know, from watching their timing at, at the look last week, and it's one practice, but it 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 seemed like there were four weeks of that Texas camp. And I'd imagine from their timing, Marquez was down there for most of them. I don't I don't know that for sure, but it just looked that way to me. And I, I think it's a prove it thing. Uh, for him just like it is for juju and McColl and all these guys um i, I but i i really think marquez uh, is frustrated with the identity that he garnered from green bay and a lot of that was just a product of rogers to adams rogers to adams rogers to adams there weren't <laughs> a lot of opportunities when i think when you say goodbye to three receivers and tyree kill who ate 150 plus targets there are going to be a lot of opportunities out there for valdez scantling and I, I think right now he is significantly under hyped and steve you're our, our our fantasy guy, too. You love fantasy football. Now, I think a lot of people out there will maybe take Juju before MBS uh, or they will take uh, a Hardman before MBS. When to me, I, I think I just think right now, where we are in June 1, what do we know? But right now, I think that'd be maybe a mistake. I think he's a little bit underhyped.
0: I think what I really need to see from MBS in training camp is the Chiefs trying to utilize him in space a little bit because like the thing with him in green Bay was the bill on him was just, he's just a straight line speed guy. Like just send him deep mm-hmm. and, try, and try to get some deep shots to him. Uh, occasionally get a couple of looks at him a game and, and see if we can get some explosive plays. Whereas like, you know, guys like Tyree kill and Michael Hardman. Yes. They're explosive like that, but we've seen, they're also guys where you get him the ball just within five yards of the line of scrimmage and give them some space and some blocking, and they can take off. MVS was never really used that way in Green Bay. Now, he's obviously really fast. So I, I'm just curious to see him utilized like that because that's another dimension of his game where it's like, yeah, if you think you can get more out of him, he's not just a deep straight line speed guy, then he's going to have to be able to do stuff like that because we know McCole Hardman can do it. We know Juju can do that kind of stuff. So I'm really curious to see how they utilize him in training camp. We
2: well, you know, as as both of you have noted, uh, he was lost behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay, and so not too many people know his name. And all of a sudden, he gets this relatively large contract with the Chiefs, and and people are thinking, "What is Brett Feach doing? My gosh, i never heard of this guy. We're paying him all this money. We didn't spend money on a defensive end. Okay, I get that reaction, but the reason he got a bigger contract is Green Bay wanted him back." This isn't a guy that they let walk in free agency. They were bidding for him. So these guys who've had him in their hands for a few years saw that there was some value in him once Devontae Adams was gone, and I think the Chiefs see the, th- the same thing. So I think this is a great pick. I actually, on the back of the envelope here, had written down MBS and then crossed it out and put Malik Herring. So, so I agree. I agree this could be an easily underhyped player
1: for you fans of of baseball as well, this move to me feels very Tampa Bay Rays. You know, the Rays, (laughs) they're a small market team. You have a player that's a little bit older that goes to Tampa and everyone is looking at each other. Why are the Rays trading for this guy? And then all of a sudden he has a 1.3 ERA and is in the mix for the Cy Young. This to me is Brett Beach and the personnel staff identifying something in MBS that we haven't seen yet. And it right. plays into all your points of Steve utilizing them in a certain way. And I just think there's just so much opportunity out there. There's only so many targets that are, that are going to go to Travis Kelsey. There's only so much yardage. If you say that Mahomes is going to have 5,000 yards and you give Ty- Travis Kelsey, let's say, let's be generous and give him 1,400 of those. What? Uh, there's still 3,600 yards to go around. Where are those going? Right? So to me, it, it, it opens up opportunities for other guys. And uh, to me, is the most underhyped. So we had Malik Herring. We had McCole uh, Hardman and then MVS as the underhyped players. That was a good discussion, fellas. Good job. Uh, so that wraps up our overhype versus underhype. When we come back, we will preview the podium. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the Chiefs are continuing phase three today and tomorrow of this week. But tomorrow, we get to go to practice and, and talk to some of these guys. And no players this week. It is a assistant press, press conference, John. So that means we will hear, I believe, from Andy Reid, I believe. But definitely Eric Biennemi, Steve Spagnuolo, new quarterbacks coach Matt Nagy, uh, defensive line coach Joe Cullen. He's new. Uh, Brendan Daly, who moved to the linebacker room. And then Joe Blymeyer, who coaches the wide receivers. Uh, you, can, you can sort of tell why these were the assistants selected. It's guys with changes, guys with a lot happening. Uh, in in their room, so let's go through through each guy briefly here and preview the podium. In an ideal world, what would we want to hear from each? And we can take turns, John, doing this. Uh, for me, it, it, with Eric Bieniemy, a I want Eric Bienemy this year to get away from getting away. If he has something to say about how the offseason went, would all these rumors come out and and be honest? Give us a little more when it comes to what. You're doing to help Andy Reid design this new offense. Tell hmm. Sean McCoy yeah. to shut, tell McCoy to shut the hell up. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll help, but we get a lot of, you know, for lack of better terms, uh, cliches from Eric Bieniemy. I I really don't care what it what he says. But let's see the real Bieniemy. You know, let's. I I don't want the PR version anymore, man. If there's stuff on your mind, i I'd love to hear it. You know, that might be more than anything why he's not getting a head coaching
2: job. You know, that he comes in and he's he's really he really is capable of spouting cliche after cliche. And of course, that's part of being an NFL head coach. Let's just get that out there right now. Uh, Coaches all have cliches that they put out there. That's not it's not necessarily a knock against the enemy. But I agree with you. It would be nice to have a real moment with him once in a while and let us see what's really going on with his mind and his mind and you know this might be an ideal opportunity for that he's had a little time to stew about this LaShawn McCoy thing and uh, I, I can't imagine that he won't be asked some form of a question about that so we might get a, a, a real interesting uh, answer from the enemy on that
1: right and I, I was sort of saying that point in in to an extent in, in jest though it would be nice to really get the true thoughts of, of the with the offseason stuff and everything. Uh, but we are wondering his thoughts on how this new offense is going to look. And sure. We'll see. We'll see what we get at of at a B enemy, Steve Spagnolo, This will be our first opportunity to talk to Steve Spagnolo since the chiefs drafted seven defensive players out of 10 in the NFL draft. For me, what sticks out are his comments on what he personally liked about Trent McDuffie. The chiefs traded up ahead of the Buffalo bills to get McDuffie. They selected McDuffie the Bills go on to select Elam I'm I'm wondering why he liked McDuffie so much and then throwing it back to our our last conversation and and Mr. Overhyped according to Steve why he liked uh, George Karloftis so much so those those two premium picks are going to be expected to play on day one and so Steve Spagnolo, who is pretty forthcoming John at the podium mm-hmm. will yeah. share some of that insight which I, I think will be really interesting
2: yeah well, that's the he's kind of the the anti the enemy in that respect. We always get what look like real moments from him, very few cliches, and that's that's welcome uh, in our eyes. We always like to get an answer that that means something uh from a from a defensive coordinator or any kind of coordinator. And I think I agree with you that those will be real interesting things to find out about. I think that um, you know, for a lot of observers, fans, pundits, whatever. Uh, a lot of the emphasis from last year was about the players that went out there that people thought were were uh, underdeserved. You know, your Daniel mm-hmm. Sorensen and your uh, your Ben Neiman. I think there'll be some questions that try and address that without bringing it up directly. It'll be interesting to see how how uh, Spagnuolo addresses those questions when those players are no longer playing for him. He doesn't have to worry so much about. Uh, you know, offending a guy who's been with the team for a period of years in the case of Sorensen or uh, a guy like Neiman that I think the Chiefs really liked but just didn't put out the performance that they needed. They've got players to take those roles now. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he has to say about that.
1: John, what are you hoping to hear from quarterbacks coach and specialist? Is it special assistant? Uh, Matt Nagy.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I'd just like to for him to tell us uh, what he has in mind, how he sees all of these changes with without Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's bound to be the first question is, how are right. you going to, you know, uh, make this work with Tyreek Hill? Uh, that, that I'd, I'd put the, put money yeah. on that being the first or second question in Nagy. Um, I think that would be a very interesting answer to get from him.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm wondering – his about his time a little bit more now with patrick when he wasn't playing in in 17 mm-hmm. remember that yeah. was his last year with the chiefs and and i i think there has to be something tied to what he learned about being a head coach in chicago and how it might make him better and mm. what he yeah. how it he how he intends to use that experience and become a better coach for, for patrick here and I don't know exactly how we'll ask this, but why does Patrick Mahomes like Nagy so much? We know he he does. He loves Matt Nagy and what he mm-hmm. brings to the table. So I'd love some of Nagy's perspective on that as well. So this will be our first opportunity to, to talk to, to Nagy. I'm sure that there, there will be some eyes in Chicago watching this press conference as well uh, to, sure. to sort of yeah. hear some of that stuff. Joe Cullen, the new defensive line coach, former defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars and linebackers coach Brendan Daly. Um, will be taking the podium for me. These are tied together because Brandon Daly moved from defensive line to linebackers. And we've in a sense been wondering in his eyes, what he thought of that move. Did he ask for it? Is he trying to compile experience to become a defensive coordinator? I think you'll get some of that, uh, how he plans to help uh, a Nick Bolton and a Willie Gay take the next step. Leo Chanel's in that, that mix now. And I, I've been teasing this for a while. Joe Cullen, with these defensive fronts, he's a little bit more hybrid than what would be the, mm-hmm. yeah. the simple four, three. And maybe some of this press conference changes our, our perspective on needing so much depth when maybe what they're planning on doing is just having a few more exotic looks and really rotating these guys. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested in seeing what he has planned for that. I, I, we're so focused on the reinvention of the offense. I, I do think there'll, there'll be some defensive tweaks just because you have a lot more uh, different personnel that'll be eating up snaps on the defensive side of the football. So both of these guys really can can help with that as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, Pete, because, again, that all relates back to the, the Chiefs' actions on the defensive line in the offseason where people feel like they haven't made enough moves. Maybe they don't feel they need to. We've got a line, a lot of linebackers on this team now. All of a sudden, it seemed like we didn't have all that mm-hmm. many before, and now we've got uh, we've got a number of linebackers. And it may be that we're going to see some more hybrid looks with maybe three guys on the line on some snaps. Not right. not every snap. We're not going to change from a four three to a three four, but I think there's going to be moments where they're going to be lined up with an extra linebacker on the field to do something different. And I think that's part of what we get with Joe Collins. So I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. There's there's some questions
1: they, there. They they brought in uh, Jermaine Carter, and, right? And but then they still drafted Leo Chanel, uh, right? There and you know Mike Rose becomes uh, an interesting yeah. player mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you still have Darius Harris on the, on the roster. There's something to it. I I think yeah. If you constantly heard the Chiefs and what the you know you you bring up all different players. Frank Clark comes to mind. Anthony Hitchens. Uh, even spagnolo himself. They're always just like, we need to be better against the run. We have to stop the run. And they're, you know, they haven't really historically been so good at that. And maybe this was all a, a grand push to get a little bit better against the run on, on early downs and, and make tougher second and third downs against see opposing offenses uh, and, and see how that trickles down when it comes to production. Our last uh, press presser that we'll get is Joe Blymeyer the the receiver room. I, I think we've been saying it for all, for all these offensive guys. This seems obvious. It's, how are you going to continue to win without Tyreek Kill? Right. That. That's. That's mm-hmm. what you're getting yeah. at from the receivers coach. I think. So.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I've always thought he was an interesting uh, contributor to these pressers. He always has something interesting to say. He's pretty open, just like Spagnolo is. He's pretty open in his responses, and uh, and kind of an interesting thing. A lot of these guys have been uh, doing this at the at, like somebody like Spagnolo, for example, has been uh, DC for a long time. Blymeyer is a pretty young guy. And um, is you know kind of finding his way, and, and I always
1: think his answers are interesting. So I'm kind of looking forward to hear what he has to say. So there you have it. We'll be covering these press conferences on ArrowheadPride.com, uh, both with our from the podium podcast, which which Steve will take care of, and we'll be writing up uh, everything that we do learn uh, as we get these assistants, a lot of them for the first time this year, uh, for the first time in in general. All right, John. Uh, we have our poll of the day, and we asked it on Arrowhead Pride. So remember that. Who wins the match? <laughs> Is it Allen and Mahomes or Brady and Rogers? How do you think it went?
2: Oh, I think that uh, they think Mahomes and Allen will win. Yeah, that seems pretty obvious to me.
1: Eighty Despite... percent. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Eighty percent. So every four of five Arrowhead Pride reader uh, believes that Allen and Mahomes, the underdogs, will will take the match.
2: So what you're saying is, is when I was saying that experience is going to count in this golf match, people were were throwing their heads headphones down in disgust. Okay, no, great. yeah, great. no,
1: yeah. I I I just think they want their guy to win. The, the Mahomes, <laughs> well, so do I. <laughs> what's wild to me about this? It just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fun thing, right? These could be the four quarterbacks playing on on Championship Sunday. Yeah. Uh, in 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 these, and so you know they'll be having a, a jolly old time today, and then you're going to see them. Uh, maybe each trying to cut each other's throat out on championship Sunday. And then the two winners would have to play in that sense, too. So a jolly good time here on June 1st. But uh, I don't expect that to last into late January uh, and and what would be uh, early February. But that's at 530 p.m. We'll, we'll have coverage on the site for the match as well. All right, John. Wow. We got through a lot today. We got through the news. We did our overhyped and underhyped. We previewed the the podium. We will have our, our second look at OTAs uh, tomorrow. I, I guess Mahomes won't be there. We'll- well, we will see. I, I suppose. Yeah, um, I,
2: I, I've wondered: is this thing? Is are they doing this live in Las Vegas, or was this? Did they do this over the weekend while they were
1: away gotta, from their teams? Or I, gotta, I don't know. I gotta imagine it's. I gotta imagine it's live because people are taking bets on it, right? So it has to be live, doesn't it? I, well, I, I guess so. I unconfirmed. Mean, not really sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is, but that have re- that really hasn't been listed anywhere. So I'm actually not 100 yeah. percent sure about that. All right. We got every, we got through everything if you like the airhead Pride uh, podcast network if if you like the airhead Pride editor show please leave us a rating and, and review as, as you saw at the beginning if you pop a question in the review John and I will discuss it at the top of the show so we're always encouraging that we talked this morning you can't write a review on Spotify but you can leave us five stars so if you listen on Spotify if you can hit hit us with, with five stars we appreciate that as well uh, for Steve Serta and John Dixon my name is Pete Sweeney thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show